Okay, welcome to uh, Fast Jet Performance 3, Imposter Syndrome and the Fine Line Between Confidence and Arrogance. Uh, it's about 10 minutes. I'll uh, read it relatively quickly. And again, if you want to download one of those podcast devices, uh, you'll be able to speed this up even quicker, maximizing your learning and minimizing your reading time, which is what it's all about. Imposter Syndrome and the Fine Line Between Confidence and Arrogance. So, it's fair to say that the majority of the population would probably view fast jet pilots as an arrogant bunch of people who display significant narcissistic attributes. Any high achiever, whether a race car driver, wealthy stockbroker, or famous musician slash actor, would also most probably be thought of as cocky and arrogant. But this is often not the case. It has been said that the millennials, or Generation Y, those born in the 1990s, are the most self-satisfied and entitled generation yet and they are frequently dismissed as lazy by the baby boomer generation, those born between 1946 and 1964. In the UK, we are currently seeing a shift from hereditary wealth to a meritocracy where hard work and ideas are the order of the day. Generation Y are at the forefront of this change. Generation Y are confident, connected and open to change. And this can be threatening to other generations who might feel a bit redundant or can't work them interwebs. The baby boomers place as the wealthiest generation is caused by three things. Size, social change, which involved women in the workplace, and education. The current class system in British politics is slowly being replaced by meritocracy. Yes, the new generations are slowly getting wealthier, but arguably only because of inherited wealth and a public school education. Michael Young, later Lord Young of Dartington, wrote at the age of 85 of his worries. Young observed in his 2001 article, If meritocrats believe that their advancement comes from their own merits, they feel they deserve whatever they can get. They can be insufferably smug, much more than people who knew they had achieved advancement, not on their own merit, but because they were, as somebody's sons or daughter, the beneficiaries of nepotism. The newcomers actually believe they have morality on their side. So a confusing picture indeed for generations split apart by many years. Right now, though, the current generation of movers and shakers are this smug Generation Y, as Lord Young so eloquently states. They're also the new pilots and high achievers to be found in emerging enterprises such as tech startups. So what does this have to do with imposter syndrome or confidence and arrogance? Imposter syndrome can affect up to 70% of people in the workplace today. It is a psychological phenomenon in which people are unable to internalize their accomplishments. Despite external evidence of their competence, those with the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success that they have achieved. Proof of success is dismissed as luck, timing, or as a result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent and competent than they believe themselves to be. Notably, imposter syndrome is particularly common among high-achieving women. That's from Wikipedia. Imposter syndrome affects more women than men, and as a demographic, more African-Americans are thought to suffer from it as a result of positive discrimination policies. Facebook Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg suffers from it and the condition was the basis for her book Lean In, which promotes the role of women in the workplace. It is taught by performance coaches that three quarters of those sat at a business meeting are worried that they don't know what they're doing, that they are a fraud and that they're going to get found out. Although the example above concerns a business meeting, it is equally true of a cockpit especially if occupied by a student or underconfident pilot who is low on flying hours. Military aviation is an unforgiving business and in my career I have lost more than 30 of my friends. 
I stopped counting at 30. These are not all from fast jet incidents, I've lost many from helicopter and multi-engine incidents too. I call them incidents because I believe none were accidents, there is always responsibility somewhere, whether from pilot or maintenance error, all the way up to governmental neglect or underfunding, the subject of another post, I am sure. So if 70% of the population suffers from imposter syndrome, does this 70% include pilots? And I can assure you that it does. When I personally was in training and fully engaged in my mission of getting to the front line, it was all I could think about. Uh, your whole life seems to revolve around it. Our initial training at BRNC Dartmouth or Royal Air Force College Cranwell is immersive and it has to be in order to turn you from a civilian into a military officer. Then you move on to flying training, which becomes arduous and totally unforgiving, placing you firmly in your stretch zone for months at a time. You see a course mate struggle and fail trips and you might fail the trip yourself. The girl or guy you thought was a sure thing for Harry or Typhoon cockpit stumbles on a check ride and you start to have massive self-doubt. If they can't pass it, how will I ever be able to? Friends are chopped around you, they're removed from training, and if they are lucky, they might get a chance to be restreamed onto rotary or multi-engine. But if not, then their military flying career ends. You invested so much of your life pursuing this goal that you start to wonder if it's all worth it. The stress can be life-changing. Relationships end and girlfriends stroke boyfriends leave. I was once asked by a student who was struggling towards the end of advanced flying training on the Hawk T1, is it all worth it? Uh, but he never found out as he was chopped two trips later. If a student is doubting their ability when flying with an instructor in the aircraft, then you can be doubly sure that they are doubting themselves when they have to fly solo. At our flying school, we have a dedicated student solo outbrief. This is there to make sure that the authorizing officer of the solo student has covered everything necessary to confirm that they are in date for the multitude of currencies and qualifications that they need to fly solo. This is because the authorizing officer has to be sure that the student is going to bring themselves and the 20 million pound Hawk T2 back home. The list is extensive. Have they flown dual in the last seven days? Did they pass the preceding sortie to a satisfactory level? Is their instrument flying uh, rating fit for the actual and forecast weather conditions? Do they have any outstanding currencies and are they in date for the many drills and evolutions that they need in order to fly as captain of the aircraft? It is extensive and appropriately so, but it can also be incredibly daunting for the student as the magnitude of the responsibility they are about to be given starts to dawn on them. As pilots, their character does not allow them to appear weak in front of their peers. So when you ask them, are you happy to take this aircraft by yourself, they will always reply with the affirmative. But away from the squadron, when they are back in their comfort zone with families, friends, and maybe even some of their closer course mates, they will reveal the truth. They are scared as hell, and as instructors, we know this. When we were students, we were scared as hell too. Not only of doing something wrong and throwing a jet away, but also of failure. The same goes for an instructor who is required to teach a student a discipline that he hasn't practiced in a while. The more dynamic the nature of the flight, plus the more aircraft and people involved, plus the recency and flying currency of the instructor involved, all add up to the level of apprehension felt by the instructor. This can be huge. The responsibility immense, and in my time as a flight commander on the squadron, I've had many instructors approach me with their fears. This is a good thing, as at least it means that the communication channels to higher authority are working, but the need to manage the variables that are causing the apprehension is very necessary. Sometimes I'd remove the instructor from the sortie for further dedicated training with an experienced and appreciative instructor, or I might just fly with the instructor myself, if capacity for this existed in the sortie profile. So when we think of a fast jet pilot as arrogant, or even a commercial pilot who carries huge responsibilities, maybe what you're observing is a coping mechanism which is helping the individual remain confident enough to get into the airplane and do the job. 
After Andreas Lubitz supposedly flew his airline into the French Alps, many German wing pilots refused to fly the next day. This was, uh, sorry, was this truly due to concern over the Airbus design, as was cited in the news, or was it a display of severe and sudden apprehension? I recently saw an airline flight roster for a new first officer who had just joined the company, albeit after a 16-year-long flying military uh, career flying military aircraft. Over the year, the first officer's roster were given one weekend at home per month. Now, if he had a small family or his wife was working, how much is he going to be at home to support them? Not much, I'd guess, as on his midweek days off, his partner is quite possibly at work and cracks in the relationship will no doubt soon appear. Now, transpose that roster onto a young first officer straight out of flight school and maybe some financial debt from his flying training and earning not a great initial wage and you now have problems both at work and at home. A pilot's arrogance is just an attempt to portray confidence. It is nothing more than a thinly veiled imposter syndrome that is common throughout society. Those that fly aircraft are indifferent, they're just trying not to get found out either. As your experience grows, you become more confident, you start to care less about the opinion of others and you become more content. But until then, pilots are just not too keen on letting people know that they are all too aware of their own mortality and limited ability. So the next time you think of a high-achieving pilot as arrogant, they're probably just feeling like an imposter, which makes them more similar to you than you think. Until we slip the surly bonds of Earth again, fly safe.